All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the first guy in line to get the COVID vaccine when it hit the Garden State. <laughs> it's Benny Horowitz. Yeah, the last. <laughs> Denny, apologies for my my blue tape background. I I saw that there is some website that's a uh, or not a website, you know, like a social media handle that's going around ranking people's Zoom calls and oh, their yeah. backgrounds, and. Uh, my my good buddy Spencer Ackerman, who works at the Daily Beast, mm. got ripped up. Oh. I think he got like a two out of a ten, and then deemed it an elitist, shitty website to be judging people's <laughs> backgrounds. Where do you land on that? I like your Zoom background. Uh, you know, I think I think the one line keeps people intrigued. I think people could accuse me of having a fake one right now, not to brag or anything, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, like a green screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. people could very much because it's that on the good. Green screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you that the reason I have my hood up is the same reason there's tape on the wall, which is because I'm redoing this room. It's my podcast room, though. So I had a garbage bag over my electrics, <laughs> but uh, I'm I decided to sand the floor of this room <laughs> with my hand sander on my hands and knees. And I thought it was going to be easy, and it's not. No. And it's taken me way longer than I thought. And I'm pretty sure I'm breathing in like 70s noxious floor polyurethane coverings every day. So this might be my last tune-up. This is going to be the the best one we've had yet. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah. to hear what comes out of your mouth. Episode no. 66. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going on, Denny. The pizza man is the president, oh, and he's man. drinking children's blood. <laughs> I'm excited on that note to share yeah. a conspiracy theory with you when Ooh. we get to this day music history. It's a fun one. I have a really Love fun that. one today. Um, yeah, but I used ben, to really like conspiracy theories. Until, now they scare me. Yeah. Now they scare me. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, do you want to just get into it this day yeah. in music history? Oh, yeah. Fire it up. Africa, straight no chaser. This day in music history. Let's go. <laughs> so, Danny, this day in 1992, Dr. Dre's The Chronic was released. Okay. This is a very important album for obvious reasons. I- I'd like to share a quote by uh, often talked about person on the show, Kanye West. Oh, yes who once told Rolling Stone magazine in quotes, the chronic is still the hip hop equivalent to Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life. It's the benchmark you measure your album against. If you're serious, that's a pretty cool thing to think about. And it automatically made me go to like, what's the rock equivalent of that uh, production wise. And, you know, I kind of thought like, Oh, uh, you know, maybe the Beatles with multi-tracking, maybe, you know, Boston in the early 80s doing those perfect records. I don't know. But it definitely did bring a different level of uh, sophistication and sampling and songwriting that I don't think hip hop had yet. Um, and the guy's so smart, he managed to make an album that he's barely on. Yeah. And he packed it to hide his own deficiencies, which is genius because the worst part about Dre's skill set is him actually emceeing. So he managed to put together this almost like all-star collaboration. He said like seven words a song, and then <laughs> he doesn't actually have to be on the record, which is which is genius. I mean, a lot of this 
when you read the story of the album itself just lends itself to the genius of Dr. Dre, you know, where entire teams of people, management groups and Suge Knight and that whole crew and all these other rappers were literally just like waiting for Dre to talk. It was his world. And he was the, the true mastermind of this record, which when you look into the stories of a lot of great albums, um, there's always, you know, a Brian Wilson S didgeridoo mm. type story of somebody going wildly obsessive over the album. Um, well, but, but one part, you know, besides for the history, the way it struck personally was, you know, for kids my age, it, it was a really interesting window into something you, you hadn't seen, you know, from from being from the East Coast, from New York City area, all you know, only a teenager. The only thing I knew about this West Coast world like that at the time was probably from the movie Boys in the Hood mm. and the soundtrack. And uh, it, you know, poetically and musically tells like a very vivid story about a world that someone like me had no insight to, which I think was one of the beautiful things about hip hop at the time. You know, I, I didn't know anything about the narrative of West Coast hip hop. I didn't know about the cars. I didn't know about the clothes. I didn't know about the gin and juice, you know, and all this like um, fun stuff. Not I mean, not necessarily fun, actually, but stuff that uh, that someone like me just wasn't privy to at all. Um, and then, then the one memory I wanted to share about this record that was funny was around the, you know, 1993 when, uh, you know, Let It Ride and, you know, some of the songs on the record were real you know, pop hits at that time, there was this marked difference of people who only knew the MTV version and the people who knew the album version. And you were like super tough if you knew the actual like curses on the album version. But most people only knew like the, you know, the super chopped up MTV version. So that became the delineation of if you were real or not, as if you knew which curses they were saying when. But uh, respect to this album, 1992, you know, going on. What are we looking at? Almost 25 years of this album. Crazy. Pretty cool. All right, Benny. Well, my this day in music history, let's go back to the year 1944, shall we? And on Please. this day, American big band musician and arranger Glenn Miller was killed after his aircraft disappeared over the English Channel. Uh, wow. And Benny, at this time, you know this, I know this, Glenn Miller Probably the biggest musician in the world. If you go into any senior citizen center in the country, you're going to hear In the Mood within 15 <laughs> minutes of being there. That's a fact. But So his plane disappeared over the English wow. Channel. But, uh -huh. Benny, there's a theory about this, okay? Yes. So, and they're all um, unsubstantiated. You, you, you know, here at the tune-up, we don't condone any of this. But <laughs> there is a theory that, you know, during this time he was going on a bunch of secret missions to Nazi Germany to try to negotiate a peace deal with them. Oh. Um, and there's the an idea that he died of a heart attack in a brothel in Paris, and the next day the plane left, and that his plane was hit by jettisoned by Allied bombers returning after an aborted mission in Germany. Um, so oh, okay, wait. So this theory is that he died at a brothel in Paris. And to cover up what he was doing, trying to broker with Germany, we shot down a plane, plane down intentionally yeah. over the English Channel to cover it up. Yeah. 
Wow, I thought we said we didn't like conspiracy theories going into the <laughs> that, show. That one's really that's good, interesting, right? though. I didn't know that that that's the way that he went it was, as a young man. I'd imagine. Now, I like to think about this: who would we possibly send, and like, what modern celebrity yeah. would we send to kind of bro- like? Why are we sending celebrities to try to broker a peace deal? Or, or, or is that just a statement about? Uh, you know how American culture was in 1944. Like it was the thing. I mean, I like you know, I, I I would reel back on the idea that we're not still doing that in many capacities. Bear in mind that we've had uh, two celebrity presidents since that time. One of which was a country western actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is a reality show host. Uh, we've had an Austrian-born bodybuilder named the Terminator be the governor of the largest. So you're saying we're not so secretive about it anymore? It's just out in the open, anybody? Yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, I don't know why my head just went to it, and I know he's Canadian. I think Drake. <laughs> I think we're sending Drake. He's like he's squeaky clean record. You know, even the people who want to hate Drake, eventually, you're kind of like. He's kind of cool, and everyone seems to like him. He seems like a bright guy, easy to talk to. I think, I think I'd send Drake. I'd maybe try to send in Justin Bieber, you know. Or yeah. oh, wait a minute, you know who could solve all of the China relations? And I think that they're almost American at th- at this point. You know who who you got to send in? You got to send in BTS because that Twitter <laughs> army will get anybody. And, That's and, it. And you know what's hilarious? I don't think I know one of their songs. I just know that I keep trying to troll their web presence so that we get a little bit of notoriety, and it hasn't worked yet. But it will. It will, Benny. Yeah, okay. I'm into it. <laughs> I like how we both... Did we just both list people who are not American, though, to go broker yeah. peace for America? For, 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 for America. You know We're what? reaching. We're reaching. <laughs> we got no one left. Who is... Uh, no left. Even Will Smith is in a scandal. Is, we got no one left. Is cleanest guy in Hollywood. <laughs> I think the only the the biggest American celebrity now is probably like like it's got to be Ariana Grande, right? Or oh no, oh my gosh, Taylor Swift put so out an I, album this week. See, I think Taylor Swift is the way you're leaning because now now that we're talking about it, I'm like, all right, what was the interest in Glenn Miller? You know, it's like. <sighs> You know, there are people who are trained diplomats, people who know how to speak in a room, people who know how to get what they want. I can't imagine Glenn Miller was that. So the only thing that would make me believe part of this story is that somebody high up in the German military was a Glenn Miller fan. Yeah. You know, it's really the only way this works. So I think we got to go a case by case basis. The next uh, murderous autocrat that comes around. We just got to find out what's number one on their party shuffle and send that person. And so, and by high up, you mean Hitler. And so Hitler must have been a big fan. So essentially, I, I think we tried to do this on, on, under Trump and failed. We sent in Dennis Rodman because that was clearly yeah. uh, King John Un's biggest exactly. fan. You know, 96 Bulls, shout out the last dance. We yeah. tried to do that, but it was way too public. I think this comes down to more to we just can't keep a secret anymore. So <laughs> yeah, here's hoping probably. that Vladimir Putin is a big fan of Taylor Swift. There we go. Thanks, Taylor. <laughs>
All right, Benny, first story today, and the internet was buzzing because <laughs> Motown's own Smokey Robinson, Smokey. you know, he got on Cameo, and I think this is a good lesson for me because <laughs> if you ever try to just, you know, get a couple bucks, a $50 for a, a Cameo, and you misspeak, I'm not saying this ended Smokey Robinson's career. No, but of course not. But Smokey Robinson got on Cameo for somebody in Detroit that now lives in the Pacific Northwest, Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just go to say uh, he was unfamiliar that there was a more traditional phrase or uh, way to call Hanukkah. But take a listen as Smokey Robinson tries to wish somebody a happy Hanukkah, or as he says it, Chanuka. Hey, Marco. How you doing? Surprise, surprise. This is Smokey Robinson. I know you didn't expect to hear from me. But... I was contacted by your sons, Jeff and Jerry, and they wanted me, they told me that you used to live in Detroit across the street from me, and gosh, that's that's beautiful. Um, how are you doing again? <laughs> nice talking to you again, I guess. But anyway, you're living in Vancouver now, and they wanted me to wish you happy Chinooka. I have no idea what Chinooka is, but happy Chinooka, <laughs> because they said so. Anyway, God bless you, babe. And enjoy Chinooka. Have a wonderful time. All right, Benny. As our, I don't think it's derogatory to say resident Jew on this podcast, is it? I mean, there's only two of us. <laughs> so, I mean, I am very plainly the resident Jew. Yeah, so, this is okay. what do you make of this? <laughs> I mean, all right. So, I got to give Smokey the benefit of the doubt here. I don't think a grown man of his age... uh how much he's traveled, you know, seen the world, seen the country, met a lot of different people. Just to be a little bigoted here because I'm allowed, I'm sure has worked with Jews in the music industry <laughs> a number of times, probably been forced to say things like Mazel Tov <laughs> and, and Happy Hanukkah in the past because there's no chance in his like 50 years in the music industry he did not run through a Jewish manager, a Jewish label owner, a Jewish <laughs> songwriter. It happened. I'm, I'm, I will almost guarantee it. So that all being said, I don't think Smokey Robinson thinks Hanukkah is pronounced Chanukah. What I do think is that Smokey Robinson may not be an avid reader, and I think he just didn't know the word. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if he got thrown off by the CH. I know it happens to some people who are, you know, uh, dead set against the fact that that could be a hard C at any point, like chromosome or something, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's a nuanced thing to explain to people, you know, like in uh, Meet the Parents, when she, or Meet the Fockers, when she's like, ah, you got to do it like something stuck in the back of your throat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's nuanced. I don't expect someone like Smokey Robinson to nail Hanukkah, but I will watch this video 150 times <laughs> to just listen to how sweet he is about it. The thing I love about it is like he doesn't give a shit what Chanukah is. <laughs> He just got paid on Cameo, and somebody's being nice to him, and they want to wish him a happy something or other. And I like the fact that Smokey Robinson's so positive. He kept the smile on it, and he wished them a happy Chanuka without making them feel bad about it. (laughs) So uh, I say no harm, uh, no foul. I'm not offended 
at any point in this because it's an old man on a weird social media website. So who gives a shit? Uh, no, I think it's just funny, but I'm pretty sure he's never read the word before. I was looking this up as you were talking. How much do you think this person paid for a Smokey Robinson cameo? Um, so is that like a 30 second Smokey Robinson spot? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's got to be a lot. I'd say upwards of five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred thousand dollars? No, five hundred oh. to a thousand dollars. Yeah, it, it was surprise. Honestly, surprisingly cheap. Three hundred fifty dollars. Oh, not bad and for then Smokey. You okay. add this is the kicker here. If you pay eleven more dollars, you can actually talk to the guy on the phone, <laughs> Denny. Denny. You know, Wait, so for three hundred and sixty-six or three hundred and sixty-one dollars, I can call Smokey Robinson and ask yeah. what he was doing about Chanuka? Exactly. Wow, I mean, man, he must have gotten fucked on those tears of a clown residuals, <laughs> huh? Oy. I want to pay three hundred sixty dollars for him to come on this podcast next <gasps> week and explain it. I mean, we only get him for 30 <laughs> seconds. Does that mean you only get a 30-second phone call? How awkward is that? It's going to be like, who wants to be a millionaire? I'm going to read the question, and it's a yes or no answer, and it's going to cut off in the middle. <laughs> oh, I love it. Me and me and Jared Hart were talking the other day. Um, we, you, you know Jared Hart yeah, of, of course. Mercy Union, friend of the program. Yeah, he, he's been and on. we were teasing a unnamed person who was starting to pitch a cameo website that we know uh and we're like okay that's cool um and we start you know making fun of him even though both of us will probably be on it in six months fucking (laughs) slutting for money but we were making fun of this person and and i can't he's like how much would you charge and i said here's my concept for cameo it's gonna cost eight thousand dollars but you are the one and only one who gets it. It's a one-time exclusive <laughs> of me doing it, and it's eight grand. That's going to be my cameo pitch. What do you think? I like it, and then I'm just going to add so you avoid any Chinooka blunders that everything yeah. that they want you to say has to be phonetically spelled out. Just to keep you safe, I think you can add 15 more dollars on, on it. I think when you go to the cameo people and are like, hey, I want to do this, blah, 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 I think you should be like, but pay whatever you pay Smokey Robinson per month and then just take $100 off, and then that that's what I should get. <laughs> I got to be honest. I think I'm just going to say Chanuka from now on. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, I just kind of like it. It's, yeah. like, it's like that, and what was that fake holiday from the OC, Chrismica? Just <laughs> yeah. like, they just roll off the tongue. Listen, they're all bullshit anyway. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but happy Hanukkah to everybody oh, out there. Thank you. Thank happy you. Hanukkah. Appreciate um, it. What day is it? It's it's it, it's day this four. Is night night five. Night five. Night five. Night okay. five. Yeah, yeah. I'm carrying on the tradition. My my lucky little Muggle kids are getting fucking Hanukkah and Christmas. Good for Amazing. them. By the way, I had to I had to explain to them that I got no Christmas when I was a kid. They don't get it. <laughs> By the way, I saw you cooking on Instagram. My mm-hmm. goodness, Benny. I think. I think for, you know, whenever we decide to, to take the Patreon of this, cooking with cooking classes with Benny Horowitz is is right you up there with the things that people Doing these make. podcasts, people do learn a lot about me. That is one part about doing podcasting I wasn't expecting. It makes perfect sense now. 
But if you just put a blabbermouth in front of a microphone for three hours a week, you're going to find out a lot about that person, yeah. you know? And I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I feel like a bunch of people I don't know know a lot about me now, which is strange. But the one thing that's kind of a deep cut that doesn't get a lot of love is y- your boy knows his way around the kitchen. Hey, I get it. You were single at, at one time. People, <laughs> you, you either had to A, impress or be you know like fend for yourself out there and it, it, it's not easy it's not easy you gotta get by you got i'd say it was more a result of being left to my own when i was a kid to cook my own meals oh. and then working in shitty food service yeah. and i just created all these bizarre bizarre that. ways to make and eat food I love <laughs> ask that. my wife she thinks i'm nuts <laughs> let's move over to cleveland for this next headline and the Cleveland Indians, after I believe it's 108 years, are dropping the Cleveland Indians, the Indians as their nickname. Mm-hmm. I think that this is uh, a a great move, especially in the time that we're living. Honestly, and probably the only thing that got them to change this is it started to cost them financially because you can't you can't sell sweatshirts with Wahoo their 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 Indian yeah, logo on right. it anymore. No one's going to buy those. So I know the whole phrase is like, go woke or go broke. But by being ignorant, the Indians were probably going broke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the classic example. They're a giant corporation. I don't think it was their, uh, you know, feeling of, of goodwill or some idea that they need to, you know, include different communities. As you said, it was a paycheck decision. Things only change when they imagine it might be bad for business and being the last holdout for a name many find super racist is kind of a bad look for any corporation. I mean, most colleges that had this name got rid of it in like the 70s, mm. you know, and then the Redskins and the Indians were these holdouts. But but don't fool yourself why they were holding out. You know, I don't think this was some moral obligation to history or I mean, how many times do you have to watch a team? I've been a fan of of leagues so long now, I don't even know where fucking teams began and end. Who were the Cleveland Browns? Who were the Tennessee Titans? Who were the Oklahoma City Thunder? Who are any of these fucking teams? Yeah. You know, like like the fact that uh, Jim Brown holds the rushing record for the Baltimore Ravens and this dumb shit <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. Um, they'll move the team the second they'll find more money. Yeah. They'll change the team name the second they'll find more money. It's always about the same shit. Um, but all that being said, I'm happy to see it go. Uh, even not being a Cleveland Indians fan, I think I understood part of the nostalgia because Major League is probably my top five favorite movies yeah. of all time. And Chief Wahoo is all over that thing. And I And I understand where people are coming from, you know, but there's just like the uh, if there's anything we've learned in the last four years, it's that doing something because it's the way it's always been done is the wrong way to do it is the wrong way to do it. And if there's that many people asking you to change something pretty fucking stupid that has no real life implications, just fucking do it, man. Like, 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 where's the skin off your nose? And honestly, what's going on with with the Washington football team this year? Does anyone give a shit? Not really. No. no, no one gives a shit. Maybe like six people who are super fucking racist won't watch them anymore. But like, who cares? So it's just I don't know. It's, it's a long time overdue. 
And anybody who makes a big stink out of it is just uh, showing which which uh, side of the line they're on, you know? Now, I'm super curious about what direction they're going to go with this next name. I saw the Spiders, because uh, mm-hmm. apparently the Cleveland baseball team before the Indians was called the Spiders. Um, I, I'm always here for a good alliteration. Uh, I like I'm, the Naps. Did you see the Naps? Oh, they can't do that, man. Come on. Is that still bad? For hair? Come on. No, 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 no. So, so the actual team was named after an Indian man who was named Nap, and I'm Nap something. I'm not going to pronounce his last name correctly. Right. So there was some talk about going back to the original name, like the Cleveland Naps, like actually named after uh, an Indian man, not specifically the whole race of Indians. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It could work. I did see one that's the Cleveland Rocks. I love that. I was just about to say that. How great is that? I mean, it's great, but it it can just so easily be like a gem and mineral show that I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's it's a little confusing. Not everyone associates Cleveland with Aerosmith like we do, you know? Cleveland Rocks. And then they just pull out their championship rings and boom, right there, Cleveland Rocks. Yeah, I mean, that is. They're dripping, dripping with rocks. (laughs) But um, any names that you can come up off the top of your head for this Cleveland baseball team? I mean, my you know my mind always goes to like hardcore and punk. My favorite band from back in the day from Cleveland might have been the band Integrity. So what about the Cleveland Integrity? I like that. Pretty strong, yeah. huh? The I'm- guy's name was Dwid. He had a, a, a strange reputation throughout the hardcore industry, and had such a bad uh situation in new york city that i never got to see integrity because they were afraid to come to the tri-state area <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i have a suggestion and i think this ties everything full circle you change it to the cleveland kings and homage <laughs> homage to lebron james lebron james can make good with cleveland he left again Give him a small little ownership. Then he has two brings two rings for Cleveland. I think it just adds to the clutch sports portfolio. I think it's a it's a win win for all involved. <laughs> just the Cleveland LeBrons. <laughs> just lay it. Just fuck it. Just, it. just put his face on it. Let him make decisions like Jay Z did with the Nets <laughs> for the first year. You know, I think it could work. Danny, yeah. did you know that the Community Food Bank of New Jersey needs our help this year? Hmm. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, they're on track to distribute food for over 80 million meals this year. 66 million meals last year, 80 million meals this year. Uh, every $10 you donate to the Community Food Bank of New Jersey provides 30 nutritious meals. Only $10 provides 30 nutritious wow. meals, enough to feed your neighbor and enough to feed them for a full day we have a donation link it's cfbnj.org backslash the tune up 2020 you can go there give anything you can and uh these people are professionals and they know how to stretch this money farther than you do so give them a couple bucks and they know how to how to make the best of it denny are you going to give this year oh of course benny like you said these people have been doing this for 
45 years. That's incredible. That's quite the career. That's almost as long as Tom Brady's been playing football. <laughs> and 22% of everything that they give out is fresh produce. So just unbelievable. It's healthy. It's helping people. What else could you do this holiday season? Especially today, it's Giving Tuesday. Happy holiday to everybody. Go to the link below, cfbnj.org slash btuneup2020 and help some people out. Yeah, skip, skip out on Tuesday night's night uh, White Claws <laughs> and, and give us the money, okay? All right, second half of the podcast, let's turn our attention to the association. And Benny, boy, your guy, Kevin Durant. And he's officially your guy. Mm. He's on your team. He made the decision oh, to come to Brooklyn. All in, all in, He made his debut uh, after 18 months about or so off. And, man, he looks smooth as can be. Kevin Durant has not mm-hmm. missed a step. Him and Kyrie look good together. They're in sync. I know they showed on, on, on the broadcast something happened next to the bench. They both turned their head at the same time. They are in that kind of simpatico in the early season. I know people were making a big deal about their IG Live where they were talking about ball distribution. Yeah. Um, but when they got on the court, they looked very good. Um, but And the rest of this team is scary. Benny, I'm going to say this right now. Your Brooklyn Nets are the best team in the Eastern Conference. And that's hard for me to say, but, you know, sometimes you just have to you, – you witness objective greatness and you have to call it. And right now, your, your Nets are looking pretty. Steve Nash looks to really have these guys playing a good system. I like everything about Brooklyn right now. Yeah, it is – it's hard. I mean, as a fan, you always want to temper expectations, yeah. you know, because it's better to, uh, you know uh, – prepare for the worst and expect the best. Yeah. So I've been prepared for the worst for a while. I've had Kyrie Irving on the team. Who knows? A brand new coach. Who knows? A guy who just came off Achilles. Who knows? So going into this season, I was ready to be down. I was ready to be pessimistic. I was ready to watch this thing implode because it could have. Mm. And it still might. It still might. This is one preseason Against game. Against the Washington Wizards. Exactly. Who's not bad. But... Anyway, uh, so so I'm not I'm not going too far in it, but just just the eye test of the things you see and the things you wanted to see. You saw uh, an engaged Kyrie Irving and a healthy Kyrie Irving, and obviously someone who came out went seven and nine in the first half and was trying to make a statement about like, hey, remember who I am. You saw a super healthy Kevin Durant, and will look to be healthy. Um, the step was there. The length was there. The energy was there. Uh, the only thing I noticed is, you know, by like the third quarter, you know, the shot was veering off a little guys fucking fatigued. He hasn't played a game like that in 18 months. And the important part is he was getting to his shots and he was getting very good looks and it's Kevin Durant. Those are going to fall. And everything you're seeing with Steve Nash is, uh, sort of a, you know, what you were hoping for and the idea that he's a magnetic personality. He's a really smart guy. He's really well-spoken, has two MVPs under his belt, and it looks like he's not commanding respect, but just getting it by being the person he is and delivering the information the way he is. Kyrie already went back and changed his tone and said, maybe I was wrong. Maybe we do have a coach. (laughs) You know, whatever the fuck that was. So, You know, and I think, you know, the biggest wild cards, and this was, again, a game without Karis LeVert, 
Some of the other guys uh, who were playing looked real jumpy and bouncy. Joe Harris looks ready to go. Jared Allen looks ready to go. Um, I thought, you know, Shamit played nice minutes trying to figure out where he is on the court. So at this point, from what I'm seeing in the quick eye test, I mean, the sky's the limit, especially when you look at what happened in the East and the deficiencies that a lot of the major teams have and the question marks that a lot of the major teams have. So at this point, uh, it's hard for me, you know, not to see a healthy Brooklyn team potentially come out of the East. Two things here. I think that there is no player in the league that is going to benefit more from this shortened season than Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving in a vacuum is undeniably great. But it, it, it's when things start to stretch out a little longer and he's like, all right, look, let's get to the meaningful basketball is where he flames out. In a shortened mm. season, he's energized by Kevin Durant. I think that this is making up for a cocktail. It's going to prove very good for the Nets come this summer. Now, the other thing when I was watching this game, I know that Landry Shamit isn't going to start for you guys, but damn, if he doesn't provide some kind of Lou Will situation, I think he is got to be on the short list for preseason candidates for six man of the year. Something became apparent to me in this game, and it was something I was confused about prior. So when the Nets traded for Bruce Brown, when they traded for Landry Shamit, when they re-signed Joe Harris, still had Dinwiddie in tow, still had Levert who could play the two. Uh, I was like, this logjam that they were putting together was indicating to me that they were ready to make a move. Because I'm like, you're not going to have enough minutes for these guys and it's not going to be a useful exercise. Something that stood out to me about KD last night is, as we already said, he's not going to be as explosive as he once was. He's not going to be as lateral as he once was. He's not going to be pulling people off the dribble as much as he used to. He just can't. It's a mix between age and injury, and you can't expect that out of the guy. But something I saw last night was him being really crafty. Yeah. And a couple times, maybe even three times in that game, you watched him split a defender, get into the paint, draw all the attention to himself, and kick out. And the thing that this is starting to um, – to lend itself to me is that I think Kevin Durant is going to play a lot of five. Yeah. And I think, uh, he's going to be playing a lot of like point center running high pick and roll at the top, drawing attention to the middle, almost in the way, you know, uh, Giannis, no offense would like to play, but can't shoot like Kevin Durant. So can't keep people nearly as honest in that high pick and roll. Uh, and I think that's, that's going to be an approach for the nets. I mean, you have Jared Allen, who's who's probably walking out the door somewhere between this season and a trade or maybe in free agency. DeAndre Jordan is what he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you can't expect too much out of that guy. So I think with uh, how many minutes they're giving Torian Prince, uh, you know, I, I do think they plan on running a small lineup with Durant at the five pretty often. And now some of their roster moves – which maybe indicated to me that they were going after James Harden or something now uh, lend itself more to an actual idea of roster construction and the idea that Durant was going to be a ball handler and distributor this year. Yeah, I really like that because it protects Kevin Durant's body and then the, the, right. the Nets get more years on that investment. I think that's tremendous. And KD may, may be able to extend his career. I think what you're seeing is a lot of people see the LeBron James approach to all of this and be like, okay, I can kind of uh, 
play a more interior position, let the guys around me do some of the heavy lifting, and then I can take like the big shots and stuff like that. And the thing that I was very impressed with about Kevin Durant, I don't care how old he is, he can always glide. There are yeah. very few basketball players I can remember in my life that just glide around the sure. court. A lot of people look like they're putting in an effort. He makes everything, even coming back off of injury, look so easy. It's ridiculous. And it's the new NBA in a lot of ways. I mean, you even see a guy like Nick Nurse did last offseason where, depending on the matchup, was if Gasol was starting or if Ibaka was starting. Mm. And, you know, I don't want Kevin Durant playing the five when he's going up against Joel Embiid. Yeah. You know? That's not a good look. So I think you just got to be versatile. And that's where I like bringing in a guy like Steve Nash. It looks like he's getting ready to sort of play positionless basketball, which is the uh, future of the NBA. All right, Benny, you touched on it just a second ago. Our next headline today, James Harden is still a Houston Rocket. But, you know, he may not be too pleased with the pieces that they put around him. But honestly, I kind of think it's maybe hard to please James Harden at this point. You know, they got John Wall in that deal. They got DeMarcus Cousins. Those are two, you know, you're not expecting too much, but the payoff could be astronomical. James Harden still not happy. I personally don't think he's going to be on the move. Uh, It was reported last week that he's added Miami and Milwaukee to his list of teams. Um, The only team that I can honestly see go for that is Miami. I think Pat Riley wants to extend this window as much as possible. Benny, do you think by the time we start the season in, gee, eight days here, do you think James Harden will be a Houston Rocket? I do. I do. I think he's almost assuredly going to be a Houston Rocket going in. Uh, he's he's reported to camp, had a conversation with Silas. It looks like he's going to be a pro. He's going to go to practice. He's going to play in the last preseason game. Um, and I think everybody realizes at this point that uh, they don't have to trade Harden. And what happened in the last few weeks has decreased his value as much as anything has. So I think the best opportunity for both parties at this point is for him to start the season and maybe remind everybody that he's a three-time scoring champion and the things he could do to help a contending team. Because right now, everyone, uh, the narrative has become, here's this guy who's never won a championship, who can't play nice with anybody, forcing himself out, and here you go. Uh, the one narrative that you see the media spinning is this idea that uh, James Harden is not pleased with John Wall and this isn't enough and maybe John Wall take this as a slight. Him and John Wall are having conversations. You know what I mean? They're talking to each other. They both recognize what's happening. They both recognize the spirit of the league, that this is just a negotiation. I don't think there's anything personal between these players. I think they don't have any history and there's a mutual enough respect that I don't think that narrative is happening right now. Um, but I mean, really, this just comes down to would the Rockets be willing to take, and I've heard the expression a lot, but like 60 or 70 cents on the dollar. And if you look at um, you know, a package Philly would give back, Houston's going to ask for, you know, Ben Simmons and a collection of number one picks, which Philly would be insane to do. Uh, Brooklyn is not going to offer Kyrie and could only offer, uh, you know, a package of like Levert and Allen and picks not enough for James Harden. Uh, Miami, you could start putting together a deal with, you know, Tyler hero and, and some other guys to 
potentially put him together with Butler and Bam. That would be the only way it would make sense. And same with Milwaukee. I mean, you'd actually you have to give a middle gutting, gutting, gutting a lineup and, and maybe one of the big pieces you just got. So I think that's a big part of it is you're just not really seeing the package uh, that would bring in a guy like, you know, when AD wanted to go to the Lakers, you saw these pieces, you know, you can, as you're seeing, you can build a team and re-sign around Brandon Ingram. You know, you need pieces like that in return for James Harden or else this is just not happening. So I think from a pure business standpoint, um, a little bit of, I think I talked about this in another episode, kind of the idea that the league and Fertitta and people like that are actually digging their heels in a little bit, uh, trying to avoid this situation coming up. I mean, I know there's a narrative around where people are like, I hope Houston is the first team to just be like, hey, fuck you, man. You signed a contract and you're going to play. Well, you know, that usually doesn't work out too well when people take that sort of tone with your magnanimous superstar. So I do assuredly think James Harden is gone. His time in Houston is over, but he will start the season. And I think he'll have a little bit of a run to kind of boost up his trade value. And by midseason, there's going to be different things that flush out that make it more possible. I think the only team that could possibly make a move and they won't because I think that they really like what they did this offseason and that has the pieces. I think Portland would be a, a place that has the pieces that Houston's kind of looking for, but I don't think Portland w- would want to make that deal because they really like where they are. Yeah, and why would they? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're as they stand right now, they're in better shape than Houston is. So, But, I mean, it is, it's one of those things. People do have a little bit of... Uh, you know, revisionist history and, you know, the narrative around James Harden is getting pretty ridiculous. I think a lot of these narratives around these players is getting pretty ridiculous. Like how quickly people realize they're uber talented superstar players. Like this idea that like Russell Westbrook is just going to go to Washington and not make an impact. You know what I mean? Of course he's going to make an impact. The guy won MVP like two fucking years ago. So I think people forget a little bit too, just how good James Harden is and not just a scorer. The guy's a great all around basketball player. He's one of the top five to 10 players in the league. And when you get a chance to get him, you got to swing and try to get him if you can. I just don't see the package around. It's amazing to me. People mathematically can't handle and abundance of greatness. I, um, I I truly believe that people can only handle there being 10 elite superstars at, at yeah. a time because that conversation about the top 10 always persists. And, and once you get... Because right now, I could say that you probably have about 15 to 20 superstars in this league because they're so spread out. It's actually crazy. I, I don't think we've ever seen it spread out like this, maybe in the history of, of the league. So that's really good for the health of the league. But people always concentrate on that top 10 conversation Who's the best? And I think when it comes to this, right, and where James Harden stands in in that, the little things can kind of throw people askew. So if you're, you know, if you speak your mind and all of that stuff, it kind of moves it down, even if you haven't played a game of basketball. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the thing I, I, I mostly agree with you, the thing I disagree with is there. I think there should be a delineation between superstar and star Mm. at this point. And that's the thing that's messing with the NBA is the idea that Russell Westbrook is a star, right? He's a star player, but his contract and being paid like a superstar 
is what's ruining his value. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that something needs to be altered with the way they have the max contracts set up because just because a guy is your franchise player does not make him a max dollar superstar. Right. And you've been watching over the course of the last five years, a number of really good all-star star level players basically diminishing their own value by taking these numbers. And of course you're going to take these numbers. You know what I mean? Like you're not just going to go, Hey, I'm going to take uh you know, $18 million instead of $35 million. So my contract seems more tenable for other teams. And this is your life. Mm. You know, you're going to take the extra hundred million dollars if you could fucking get it. Yeah. Of course you would. You'd be nuts not to. Right. But over the course of this time, you've seen so many guys that are quality, good NBA players who could help help teams in so many ways just become pariahs and cast off because of these contracts. So I, I do think there needs to be some new delineation between the two and this is such a sneaky thing and it co coincidentally leads us to our last headline Giannis Antetokounmpo seven days now away from the deadline for this season See, he to, actually deserves it to, <laughs> to sign the supermax deal to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks but the interesting thing okay there's there, there's two schools of, of thought here right there is when you're talking about someone's all-time greatness there's like the championships and then there's statistically speaking and somewhere in the middle is where their star actually lies i'm not sure for a guy like Giannis who hasn't developed a shot like you're like you're a Kevin Durant i'm not sure joining forces with somebody else is the best thing for your star value mm. down the road now right. it's abundantly clear how much value Giannis and his evolution has brought to the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, sure. you went from a bottom feeder to on the cusp of the NBA Finals each and, and every year. So for that sake, absolutely. No one's questioning whether he's worth the money. But in this particular conversation over what Giannis wants, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in the grass is greener on the other side. But then also from the fan perspective over mm. what he's going to do, don't be mad at the guy if he doesn't sign this in seven days and the media narrative continues and, and you're annoyed about hearing the sports talk radio about, oh, where's Giannis going to end up next year? Because at the end of the day, Giannis needs to do what's best for his family and his contract still runs through this year. So what That's are right. we getting upset about? Yeah. Like, he is a guy that is trying to concentrate on basketball right now and for people to not understand that, Really, then, I guess you just don't get how professional athletes think. Yeah, yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, Danny, I got bad news for you. He's leaving. I know. Do you do you think I'm a guy who knows a little bit about basketball? Yeah. A little bit, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't like what I saw. That first preseason game. So here's what's scaring me about Milwaukee, right? Yeah. I like Drew Holiday. He's a really nice yeah. player and a great addition. Is he a big enough upgrade over George Hill or over somebody like that to compensate for everything else that happened? So the thing that really makes me nervous about this team is I like the starting five. Yeah. Right. Starting five looks good. That roster is thin, man. Mm. You know, after you get past the seventh player and you're already talking about Connaughton, you're already talking about Tory Craig, you're already talking about Augustine. You know, if there's anything that's going to serve a team well this year, you know, is depth. 
And it's because this is going to be a strange season. It's going to be, gonna be weird, yeah. different. Uh, there will be teams where uh, one or a number of players are going to get COVID and have to sit, and they're going to have to go deep in their bench to play. That's going to happen a bunch. And then, you know, as much as like, like Brooke Lopez is one of my favorite players of all time. Okay. Yeah. He was the classiest losing player I've maybe ever seen. And I watched him close for nearly 10 years on the nets. Never do the wrong thing. Never say the wrong thing. Always be the right kind of guy you want on your team. So this is no insult to Brooke Lopez, but he looked slow last season. Yeah, he did. And he looked like he lost a step in the bubble and all the things that are his deficiencies, which are many, uh, you know, started to look a lot bigger. So at this point, I just just as a basketball fan, sure, I'd like Giannis to stay in Milwaukee and be one of those guys who's consistent, but you know, you look at this team and, and I, I just can't blame the guy at this point, yeah. you know, when like, like you said it in the first segment, he's, he's a specific type of player who's still figuring out how he can be the most functional in this league. Uh, you know, should you feed him like Shaq? Should you run him through the pick and roll at top? You know, there's, there's all these different methods to what works the best and is a unique player with a unique skill set. And you do. You need very interesting complementary pieces to make it all work. And I feel like maybe the thing they put together a year or two ago might have been the closest to the cool complementary team basketball persona with Budenholzer that actually might have worked. Now I'm like, you got to get this guy some more fucking players. And uh, I don't know. I don't see it right now. So, so I, 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 it's, hard, it's getting harder and harder for me to see him commit. Last thing before we get out of here, let's go into the tune-up mailbag. You've got mail. This one comes from our guy, Neil. What's up, Neil? How's it going? What's up, Neil? Friend of the show? Friend of the program, for sure. Friend of the program, for sure, for sure. Yeah. All right. He says, hey, guys, with preseason games coming up, why not give a rundown on on the NBA for people who aren't well-versed in the league? Speaking for myself, I always talk to my friends, and I'm like, I want to get into watching basketball. Okay. No one can give me a good place to start. They say it's because players swap teams too frequently, and I'm better at following players, not teams, but that seems lame. I don't know. Trying to share the food bank as much as possible. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Neil, listen, I can ease your mind right now, okay? Because you should be rooting for players, okay? This is what the NBA is. You're nuts if you go team loyalist in the NBA. You might have 20 years watching the worst players, and you just know you have no chance every single season. Uh, I notice, because I'm a college basketball fan as well, if I even... Uh, you know, even remotely like a guy in college and watch him get drafted and watch him go to the pros. I follow that career. Mm. And if there's two or three guys like that on one team, then all of a sudden I'm interested in that team. So I think it's not lame at all. And if you want a good place to start, take three of these superstars that you think are cool. Uh, who's, who's a Neil type of player? Let's think. Maybe a Steven Adams. Yeah, nice. You know, yeah. he'll love Steven Adams. Go watch three Steven Adams YouTube clips of him throwing bows down low and knocking people around in one of those great interviews he does. Patrick and all of a sudden, you're a New Orleans fan. Then yeah. you learn about Zion Williamson. You're like, who's this guy named Zion? Who's this guy named Alonzo? You know, it, it's like you just got to let 
the NBA wormhole take you? And 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 uh, but don't don't feel like a team loyalist. Uh, this this actually happened to me with soccer. So I'll tell a little story yeah. about this that might help Neil. I I never gave a shit about soccer until I got a little older and started traveling and watching some World Cups, and then all of a sudden I'm in Germany in 2000, you know, seven, and people are just going insane, and I'm like, okay, I better get into this. So I'm in the UK, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let my team come to me. I'm like, I don't know who I like. I'm going to watch some soccer. I'm going to see see if somebody comes to me. And then I go into a, a collectible shop in Manchester, I'm ta- I'm chatting with the with the uh, with the owner of the place. I tell him my thing with soccer, and I'm about to buy an old jam seven inch that I found. And all of a sudden, I get hit in the chest with something, and it's a fucking Man City jersey. And the guy goes, "You're a Man City fan now. It came to you." And I'm like, "Oh, done." You know. So I think all you got to do is show an interest. Open yourself up to it, and the team or player is going to come to you. But I, I would maybe start with a Stephen Adams wormhole. Wait, hold on, home. Before I give Neil advice, you're a Man City fan. Oh no, I don't give a shit. Okay, I switched you. to Everton about a year later because okay. Tim Howard was the goalie. That's a um, much better logic. No, because yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Man City has done some, uh, you know, at the corporate level, pretty deplorable. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, nah, yeah, I definitely don't care. Neil, the advice that I would give to you. Um, you know, maybe get in a basketball fantasy league or start playing 2K. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. the big way a 2K. lot of these kids yeah. get in into 2K, you know, they sure. start playing, uh, you play online, you do a fantasy mode, you're like, oh man, I, I, I love this guy. So, and that's how you more adopt the team. Or that's a good hey, tip. Maybe pick a college uh, team that, that you like and follow all of those guys. You, you've heard me ramble on about Marquette guys and how I can kind of puff out my chest at that. So, <laughs> Good rules to follow. Thank you very much, Neil. Yeah. Good luck out there. Godspeed. <laughs> All right. Well, playing ways to get in contact with the show. If you want to be featured on the tune-up mailbag, just email us at the tune-up podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. Uh, if you want to see all of our content, it's at the tune-up HQ on Twitter and Instagram. Got a couple weeks left on the tune-up holiday drive for the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. Be sure to get there. Give what you can at cfbnj.org slash the tune-up 2020. We're doing remarkable stuff there. Over 250 meals. Absolutely incredible. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Just everybody love everybody this week. You've been listening to a special Chahanika version of the tune-up. <laughs>